You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited you're joining me today. I've got a new interview for you with a new friend named Jonathan Kazarian, and Jonathan has been heavily involved in the event space for the last few years, started out with in-person events and fundraisers, and then he made a major pivot into virtual events in 2020, took a loan and a risk, and his business has skyrocketed. And this interview with Jonathan is all about what's going on in the event space. Uh, How can we best uh, take advantage of uh, the latest trends, the difference between in-person and virtual events, uh, what you should be thinking about if you plan to host your own virtual event, or um, even if you're not, you're someone who just likes to go network and or wants to take my advice to go network at events, both in-person and virtually, which I talked about in my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, and you want to take advantage of that and get the most out of these events, what should you be thinking about um, for in-person versus virtual events? If you're not interested in events at all, then you can skip this interview. But if you're at all interested in, hey, what's going on with events? Um, how are things taken off with virtual events? How can I t- get a, take advantage of this? What are some of the pros and cons? And how do I get the most out of what's going on in the world right now as we're still under this pandemic? Uh, then check out this interview with Jonathan. And just a reminder, uh, again, uh, I talk all about networking and getting the most out of events in my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, uh, you can get yours now on Amazon. As I record this, we have 141 positive reviews on Amazon, and I am so grateful for every single one of those. If you've read it and you haven't left a review yet, uh, I'd love for you to do that. In fact, if you're in the U.S. and you leave a review and you send me a screenshot uh, and you don't have a signed copy, I'd be happy to send you a signed copy of my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, and my email address is andy at andystorch.com. I'm also looking for opportunities to speak and uh, spread the word uh, and inspire more employees to own their careers. And if you have ideas on that, uh, feel free to reach out to me again, Andy at andystorch.com. Really excited about what the future has in store for us in 2021, uh, whether we are going to events, attending virtual events, uh, building our careers, looking for new jobs, uh, and just getting the most out of everything. Uh, again, I've got a lot of great advice in my book. There are also free resources on our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Jonathan Kazarian, uh, who is the CEO and founder of Acel Events, all about the virtual event space. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my new friend, Jonathan Kazarian. John is CEO and founder of Excel Events, an all-in-one virtual and hybrid events platform that empowers event organizers and marketing professionals to create authentic human connections and memorable experiences. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to talk to you about this. I'm uh, so interested in events, in the virtual space that has grown uh, obviously, since COVID hit in March uh, 2020, actually, as you and I record this, we are exactly one year, I think, this week from everything shutting down and people going, oh, crap, what's going on? Uh, my business shutting down, so many others. Um, but I'm curious to hear your story. You know, What has your career been like and how did you get to, to this point where you're running this company? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a year ago this week that I watched 
my business start to shut down as well uh, before we before we made the pivot. Um, but yeah, let me let me kind of back up a couple of years and tell you a little bit more about how we got to where we are today. So in um, in 2014, I found out that my cousin at the age of 17 got diagnosed with cancer, and I wanted to do something for her. So ultimately decided to host a fundraiser, uh, rented out the Boston Aquarium, had to sell 185 tickets to break even, basically to be able to pay my credit card bill. I was 24 at the time. And uh, we ended up selling 840 for that first event, raised about $65,000 for Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. But going into that event, we realized that there just wasn't any affordable technology out there to run the auction and the raffle. So decided to work with a friend and, and build out our own solution. And we did that and we got great feedback from the uh, organization we put the event on for and from the attendees and then decided to build a company around that, offering it to other organizers like, like ourselves or volunteers, frankly. So at the time I was, uh, I was selling software for an investment management company, uh, was going very much down the, the finance route and was building this during nights and weekends uh, and things started, started to evolve. We, we then started to move more into the ticketing space and then the for-profit ticketing space, working more with concerts and concert uh, conferences, festivals, trade shows and whatnot. And, uh, and things were, were ticking up and then, and then a year ago came and uh, everything went very much the other direction. We watched our revenue basically go to zero and then almost negative as, as refunds were coming on transaction fees. And at that point, the option was either to buckle down on the fundraising tools or to pivot. So at the, uh, at the bottom of the market, uh, borrowed 75 grand from, from my dad out of his retirement. And, uh, and we put that to work. And within about six weeks, we were able to, to host our first virtual event. And, uh, and over that period of time, our, our revenue has grown uh, over 2,000%. Our headcount has grown to, to 84 people from, from four. Um, we haven't taken on any outside capital, so it's been a fully organic growth. And uh, it's been a very interesting, very interesting ride and very interesting to watch the event industry completely transform. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I'm with you in that space. You know, when COVID hit, my whole business was selling and running in-person training programs. So I was flying all over the country, running leadership development workshops and all my clients canceled, everything went away, right? And we're like, oh crap, what are we gonna do now? Um, I had also just hosted an in-person conference that went really well. And was, um, we were starting to sell tickets for the next one that was going to be in early 2021. Um, we already sold some tickets and obviously we, we canceled that as well uh, and started pivoting everything to virtual. So I can relate and at awesome what you've done. Um, I want to go back to when you started that company, because you said you were yeah. selling, you're selling software and financial services. Uh, did you have a desire to be an entrepreneur? Or was it more like, I just need to follow this, this, need and how did you get past any fear to go out and, and follow that dream and start a business? Yeah. Uh, I've always had much of an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, even little things like in college, my roommates and I used to organize school buses to take everybody, well, you know, big group of friends into, into town, into the city. And, you know, we make 10 bucks a head on that and it would cover our expenses for the night. Little things like that would start to sort of transfer. And then at the same time, got really into hosting events uh, and kind of like like more party style events, but realized that we could turn that into to the fundraiser when uh, the right opportunity presented itself. So uh, yes, to the entrepreneurial side of things, as for the fear of it, I mean, it wasn't so much a fear because I didn't have, 
I didn't have the risk. I had another, another income. So it was more a matter of, uh, just an educated choice and, and, and committing to giving up, you know, going out with friends to spending time behind the computer screen, building the company. Yeah. I mean, you, you, so you kind of started building it on the side. Um, and were you at that point, were you pretty clear on what you wanted to build or were you just kind of just build, taking it day by day and seeing where it was going to go? Yeah. So we knew what we wanted to build on the fundraising side of things in the beginning, and that's what we had focused on. Uh, but then we started to get more and more feedback and we've been really, really customer driven in the way that we build our product, our products, I should say. We, um, we, we use intercom as a little chat widget on our site. Our median response time is around 30 seconds. Uh, and for the first five years of building the company, it was just, it was just me uh, and, and my co-founder at the time on doing that. And it would be nights and weekends. We'd be you know, on the highway having to pull over to respond to a client on a Saturday afternoon just to maintain that level of, of response time. And that, that feedback loop just allowed us to evolve and iterate on the product so, so rapidly that we were able to, to build rep, a great reputation, frankly. Yeah, that's awesome. You don't, you don't hear enough companies that are so customer focused that you're listening all the time and, and responding to things they need. Um, how did that factor into the pivots you made under COVID? Were you able to, to talk to clients and find out where the opportunities were? Cause that was, that was a scary time and a, and a big move. I mean, in hindsight, it seems like yeah, of course you pivoted and you took a loan and pivoted to virtual, but that's still a, that was still a big move. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very much the way that we operate today. I mean, these event organizers, they're, they're creatives, they're experienced creators at heart and they spend three months planning an event that maybe it's a couple of days or maybe it culminates in a couple of hours, but they don't have the luxury or the, uh, the opportunity to wait even 10 minutes for a response when they have a question during the event, they need somebody who's right there. And we make sure that we're always there for them. Uh, and they look at us as an extension of their team in that sense. As for learning from them, I mean, it, 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 that continuous feedback loop starts from the first time they log into the platform to start building their event out to post-event uh, follow-up and analytics. And we're just constantly getting ideas from our customers and, and, and putting that into practice. What um, can you give me a couple examples of uh, companies or event organizers or events that made a successful pivot from? Because there are a lot of events out there, conferences that got canceled in 2020 and again in 2021. Um, some have pivoted to virtual. Some I've seen that just didn't come back or you know are on hiatus. Um, you know, what does that successful pivot look like from an in-person to yeah? A virtual so. Event? It could be anything. I mean, there's so many different types of events out there. Uh, we focus on larger scale events and not so much like a 20 person meetup, more so like a conference or a trade show. We, uh, the, the, the three categories that, that, we, that we focus on really would be uh, user conferences, primarily in the tech space, uh, higher education, and, uh, and then associations. And uh, in terms of the different types of companies, I mean, you name it with software companies, uh, they're frankly all doing it, a lot of which we're working with. Uh, in the higher education space, we've seen everything from like club fairs and accepted student days to poster presentations. Uh, and then in terms of like other organizations, like if you're, um, if you're driving down the highway and you see one of those, we buy ugly houses signs, like that organization has, has hosted a number of events on the platform. So uh, it is just, so many different types of organizations host so many different types of events and 
uh, you know, we're there for them with the flexibility they need to be able to facilitate those events, bring those people together, share that information and continue to build that sense of community. Um, speaking of building community, um, you know, one of the things that I talked about in my book and talk about in this podcast with people a lot is uh, the power of networking and coming together, building relationships. Uh, and I used to love doing that at conferences. I used to go to a, a lot, in addition to hosting my own, um, I used to go to a lot of different conferences. And uh, that was how I built a big network. Um, there's, it's a lot harder in the virtual space, or some people would, would say or think it is, right? And, and there are some trade-offs. Um, so kind of what are the trade-offs to that? And, and how do you see people still building community and connections in virtual events? Yeah, well, I think there's a big misconception around that. I mean, you're obviously a very uh, outgoing individual, but some people don't feel as comfortable walking into a room and introducing themselves. And those aren't the people who are loud spoken about missing out on those opportunities because they never participated in them anyways. There's so many people out there, and especially in the tech world, who frankly yeah. don't prefer that face-to-face interaction. They feel a lot more comfortable networking and meeting people behind the computer screen where they, they feel like they have more control. And um, and maybe it's, you know, it's not that they're awkward or uncomfortable actually having a conversation, but often ice breaking is just challenging and hard. And it's, it's a, really you know, intimidating. It's, yeah. When you walk is, into that really room and there's a hundred people in there and you're like, look around like, oh crap, who do I talk to? Exactly. So this alleviates that. And it opens up that opportunity for everybody to participate in the way that they feel most comfortable. So uh, it actually is a, a massive opportunity here. And it's not something that is lost through the concept of virtual. In some ways, it's better because you might be at that bar or in that lobby chatting with people. And yeah, maybe they have a business card and maybe you follow up with them. But at least here, you have that, that track record of everybody you've interacted with. And there's more context to it. And you can recall that conversation. And follow up with them in a, in a more appropriate fashion after the fact. Yeah. And I like in the virtual space too, you can bounce around easier. You can also look up people's information like very quickly. I could be talking with you and looking at your bio on LinkedIn or something like that. Um, whereas I, I, and I may not have anything to write anything down if I happen to be in person, right. Or that business card to follow up. So there's, there's definitely a lot of trade-offs. Um, so where do you see this going? I mean, you and I are recording this now in March of 2021. I, I'm starting to see some smaller in-person retreats come back this year. It doesn't feel like we're going to really see any big conferences until probably 2022. Um, but I'm sure those are going to come back. Do you think it's going to be uh, a, a shift back that way or like a lot of both or a lot, some companies just staying with virtual? Like, where do you see all this going now? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally hope that it returns to in-person, uh, but I don't believe that everything will. Uh, I mean, built the company out of a result of events that I was hosting, right? Like it's, I'm all for those, those type of interactions. That said, this, yes, virtual has been a replacement for in-person events for much of 2020. But what we're seeing now is that those physical limitations of hosting in-person events, booking a venue nine months in advance, everybody having to book travel, all of the cost, all of the vendors, it is so much easier to host a virtual event today and get still so much of the impact that we're seeing uh, virtual events basically defining themselves as a new category within the, the marketing tech stack of an organization. The same way that we saw platforms like HubSpot and MailChimp defining email marketing 15 years ago, and then we saw intercom and drift defining conversational marketing over the past six or seven years. And then today or over the past year, virtual events is that new hub 
or tool within the marketer's tech stack. And it allows them, again, to develop that sense of community and bring people together on a more ongoing basis. So to go back to your question of what I think it's going to look like in the future, yes, there's going to be in-person experiences and those might be the, the pillar events that happen a couple of times uh, per year. But it's going to be taking that experience for the people who do want to attend in person and introducing a component of community in advance of that event where people can come together and figure out who they do want to meet with in person, whether that be other attendees or exhibitors, but then also extending that experience beyond the event and allowing everybody to come together throughout the course of the year. And those people who can't attend in person or don't feel comfortable attending in person or whose company won't give them the budget to attend in person, they can still participate in that event virtually. And the, you know, that, that does raise the question of what the hybrid experience is going to look like. And that's still yet to be defined. Yeah. That's a little tougher, right? When you're like, we're going to have this, uh, cause I could see companies and event organizers wanting to go that way. We're going to, we want to provide an in-person experience. We know some people are not comfortable still traveling. So we want to create a hybrid experience where they can kind of come in virtually while others are there in person. Uh, but then it becomes a, a vastly different experience for each side, right? The, the people there are going to get more of that energy in the room. People virtually aren't going to be quite as connected, but maybe it's more convenient for them to attend. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's the trade-offs, right? That we're all going to be able to, we'll all be dealing with living with. So for people thinking about maybe hosting their own events in the future, uh, you know, like what should they be someone listening, thinking, okay, I see how there's this opportunity now to create community around virtual events, maybe even, you know, probably not something huge, but smaller events. What should, what should we be thinking about? What should I be thinking about if I want to host, uh, you know, a, a virtual event in the next few months? This yeah. Year? So, so I mentioned that there's a lot of barriers that are lifted when it comes to hosting a virtual event as compared to in-person event. But one, one, probably the, the largest is the, the planning that goes into the content and the execution. Yes, it doesn't mean that you have to coordinate catering and uh, security and all of those aspects of an in-person experience, but you still have to bring in top talent, speakers. You have to create unique experiences. Maybe that means mailing something to everybody's house that they can interact with. Maybe it means a virtual happy hour where you're shipping uh, you know, a cocktail kit or something like that. You still have to create that level of excitement and engagement through the production that you're bringing to that virtual event. And in some ways, it's actually a lot easier in the sense that you have access to talent that doesn't have to fly across the country and take three days off to come speak at your event. They can participate just by chiming in for an hour. And then that can be a differentiator and you know, another reason that, that people want to participate in your event. But you have to go into it with the same mindset of really creating a unique experience and unique content. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was one of the things I noticed when I hosted my virtual summit um, in September of 2020, I had 32 speakers. They were all fantastic. And, you know, I couldn't have brought that many speakers together if I was doing a live in-person event and asked them all to fly in. And, you know, some of them I would have had to pay. Um, right. We were able to do it all, you know, for free. And, and you know, it cost us a lot less money than when we hosted the in-person conference. And all I asked people was for an hour of their time to, to tune in and, and that was it. So there's, there's definitely a lot of advantages to hosting this virtual event and you can bring a lot more people together in terms of your audience as well. And your partner ecosystem. Mm. So if you're an organization that works with, you know, maybe if you're a tech company and you've got a number of different partners, integration partners or resellers or anything like that, 
it's an opportunity to bring that community together and allow them to get exposure to your customers. And it you know, becomes a mutually beneficial opportunity to just expand that network for everybody involved and deepen those relationships. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so for people listening that are also, maybe they're not thinking about hosting uh, a conference or an event, but um, they know the importance of this networking and going out and, and finding communities um, how should people think about looking for events to attend both in-person and virtual uh, and how to make the most of those to, to build their network and, and enhance their careers? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways that you can find different events of interest. We have an event listing page on, on our website, excelevents.com forward slash events. Uh, so that's certainly one opportunity, but it's I think it's less so a question of how to find the events as it is to how to make the most of participating in those events. And it's going in there with the mindset that you want to get something accomplished. You want to meet people who have a certain background and then taking the opportunities to do that, finding the different networking avenues available through the platforms. Uh, in a platform like ours, there's a number of different meetup opportunities and different topical lounges based on whatever the topic of the event is that, that you have the ability to participate in. And then it's continuing that relationship just beyond that one experience. And that goes for both virtual and in-person. If you just meet somebody once and you drop it there, you're not really adding value. People always talk about you know, the person they met at this in-person experience or in-person event. And yeah, you might meet a lot of people, but how many of those turn into meaningful relationships? And that's more about how you, you cultivate those relationships going forward. Absolutely. Um... Any other, with regards to like events or how people are coming together, creating communities, um, any other trends that you're following in this space you think are, are worth mentioning? Yeah, it's, it's this, this concept of the always on experience or the always on event. It's the fact that um, we have this global community today of, of like-minded people and, and whatever the community might be. And it's, frankly, it's on companies and associations and organizations to provide those avenues for these people to come together. And whether that be talking about their particular product or talking about anything that falls within the realm of something they can offer value in. And for example, we have a community where we discourage people from talking about us as a company or our product at all. And it's just an opportunity for event professionals to come together and interact. And people pitch other products in there. We're completely fine with that. It's just an opportunity for people to come together. And that, that concept is, I mean, it's, it's the future of the way that business is going to be transacted and brands are going to be built. Yeah. I love, um, building and being parts of communities. I've paid to be in membership communities for a few years. Now I run a membership community online that I launched, uh, after COVID hit because people couldn't go to conferences anymore and yeah. in the talent development space. So I launched a membership community that's been kind of slowly growing. Um, I'd love to chat with you more about, you know, how to, how to make that a really impactful community, I, something you mentioned about, um, is always on ongoing things. Um, made me curious, what's your take on Clubhouse? Have you been using Clubhouse much? And does that cause a challenge or disrupt at all in the event space since people are like always on there chatting versus maybe putting a formal event together? No, it's, it's, it's awesome. We're a huge fan. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of people on our team. Uh, our community manager spends a good deal of time in Clubhouse every week, hosting our own rooms in, in Clubhouse. Uh, it's, it's just a really interesting way to bring ideas together and bring ideas to light. And we're also seeing some uh, event organizers taking 
let's say there's a, a presentation, right? You've got a couple of speakers on a panel, then giving them an opportunity to host a club room, a clubhouse room later that evening where attendees can come together and uh, ask additional questions and converse with each other. And um, it just, a, it's a great opportunity to extend that experience, but it's certainly not taking away from it. There's a, there's an informality to clubhouse, which is quite different than what's typical in a, a event experience. Yeah, I think it can be really complimentary as well. Like you said, same with podcasts, you know, we could do this interview and then go over to Clubhouse and continue that and have a conversation there and take questions from people. And it might drive uh, people back to this interview. In fact, we might, we might need to do that after this interview goes public. We, can, we should. We should. We should go to a Clubhouse room. All right, I'm going to mark that down. Uh, so if you're listening, uh, go find us on Clubhouse. Um, no, I love that. And I've been, I've been having lots of conversations there and just kind of, uh, you know, trying different things. Uh, to see see what works, right? Hosting rooms on talent development, career development, uh, things like that. Uh, last question for you, Jonathan. Uh, the book that I wrote and the name of the podcast is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, when you see that, hear that, uh, that phrase, especially own your career, um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's all about a growth mindset. It's about uh, not accepting the status quo, never being complacent and, uh, just continuing to get better. And, and that at the end of the day is the number one thing that we're looking for in the people that, that we're hiring uh, is that they're always looking to grow themselves professionally, uh, personally, and, and grow the experience that they're creating for our customers and attendees. I love it. We are completely aligned on that. I've got a whole chapter on mindset, especially growth mindset. Um, it's, it's obviously fueled a lot of what you've been able to create uh, with Excel events and uh, it drives me and what I do as well. Uh, so this is fantastic. Um, John, for anybody listening who wants to uh, get in touch with you, maybe learn more about your, your company, what's the website again? Yeah, it's excelvents.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, John Kazarian, and uh, LinkedIn, Jay Kazarian. Awesome. We will uh, we'll link to that. And uh, so glad we were connected by our friend, Justin Shank, who I know hosted, has hosted events on your platform. And uh, I look forward to checking it out as well. Uh, so thanks for much, uh, so much for coming on the show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, take care.